0: Thank you for tuning in to the WAM Podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Women in Manufacturing. I'm Lydia DiLiello, the CEO and founder of Capital Pricing Consultants, and I'll be your host for this episode. Today, I have the pleasure of hosting Jean Angus from St. Gobain Life Sciences with me, and I'm delighted to have her here with us. Jean, thanks so much for joining the program today. Thank you, Lydia. Thank you for having me. Well, we're delighted to have you, and our listeners are going to be thrilled to hear about not only your career at St. Gobain, but all of the perspective that you bring to it. And so with that, I'd like to welcome you and ask you, would you tell us just a little bit about yourself and how you arrived at St. Gobain?
1: Sure. So I'm a business leader with... I want to say over 35 years of experience and uh, quite broad based experience in multiple industries. And what brought me to Saint-Gobain was actually working on innovation processes that brought me into the door of Saint-Gobain. And I didn't know if you wanted to know a little about Saint-Gobain and, and who we are. Please. absolutely. Yeah so, yeah, so we're actually not well known in North America, but believe it or not, we're a company that's over 350 years old, based in France. Yes. And we are, I would say we are mainly a construction business. However, we also have a large portion of material science-based businesses. And life science is one of those where we have a great portfolio of polymer-based expertise servicing the life sciences industries.
0: And so, Jean, can you tell us a little bit the kind of product that one of our listeners might connect with that would be
1: a St. Gobain product? Absolutely. Well, first, I'll do it from a Saint Gobain, and then I'll do a life sciences. So, Perfect. from a Saint Gobain perspective, if you have a roof, Certainteed roofing is one of our products that we have. If you're in any home, you can see you can see insulation, gypsum board, really anything to make a home a comfortable place to live and a sustainable place to live. And then, if you're in the life science business, you can see our products when you're in the hospital because we have IV lines that would go into your IVs. So the tubing that can go into that or tubing that can deliver you drugs in the hospital. And then also the pharmaceutical drugs that you're taking, we're in the biopharmaceutical process. So all the tubing and flow systems to make drugs. One example, two examples actually. (laughs) Thank
0: you. That helps our listeners have some perspective in terms of, of how that could impact their everyday lives. So thank you. Now, you were going to tell us a little bit also more about the life sciences piece itself.
1: Right. So, I mean, on life sciences, we mainly make flow systems, so tubing systems. We are a global business. My offices are here in Solon, Ohio, but we have a global base. And again, we're serving bioprocessing industry, medical device industry. We make components for that. And even customers like Coca Cola, where if you get a Coca Cola like from their freestyle machine, we're also in there as well. So, broad based industries, but again, our name life sciences, but all the way from biopharm to through the consumer and even industrial applications.
0: So, that's really fascinating mm-hmm. that you serve such a diverse set of industries. Makes your job, I would say, more interesting and more challenging all at the mm-hmm. same time. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, when we were talking in preparation, Jean, for the interview, one of the things that you brought up that I thought was so fascinating is you talked about how important it was for, I'm going to paraphrase a little mm-hmm. bit, but for psychological safety for your mm-hmm. employees.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Tell me about that and how that plays in with so many diverse industries.
1: Well, I think general, the topic of psychological safety first, it's pretty broad, but when I have to put it in a few words, to me, psychological safety means that we can each show up to work being the people we are, you know, we're not hiding ourselves. And what it means for our diverse industries is, you know, imagine if I'm being everything that I can be, and I'm serving an industry, I can listen to our customers better. I can be more creative in the approaches that I have for our customers I can be more creative in manufacturing as I'm coming up with different solutions to challenges we may be having. So it's almost like a foundation for everything that we do. And particularly when we're serving diverse industries, I find that my mind has to switch from one industry to the next. And the more that I'm comfortable, the more that I feel safe being who I am, I just feel like my brain works in a much better way. It's almost on it's all cylinders because of the fact that I can feel safe being in my job. And so kind of a
0: follow-on to that Jean, is, is when we spoke, you had mentioned that you got to the point where you wanted to make sure there was only one gene, whether she was going to work or whether she was at home yes and talk talk a bit about that. I think that's an experience so many women have.
1: yeah you know so early in my career, I would say earlier I would say I remember this specifically about fifteen years ago and I was working in a chemical company at the time and I said to one of my colleagues, Oh my God, if you only knew the gene at home, she's a fun gene. She is just nice and fun. You'd love her. However, this gene at work, she's serious and she has to get things done. <laughs> and I wish I could be that other gene, but right now I'm not. And so that's the two parts of Jean. But I would say now I've definitely moved away from that. And now I'm the whole gene at work. And it was a long process for me, Lydia. Happy I'm here. So that
0: so resonates with me, Jean, because I very much in my corporate role remained the Lydia at work. not the Lydia at home at all (laughs) and and didn't really share my hobbies or my passions or Mm -hmm. I was very serious and very just pragmatic because I was afraid I wouldn't be considered viable for promotion if I Mm -hmm. wasn't that kind of tried and static personality. But I think in your leadership role as the president and CEO of San Gobain Life Sciences, that example that you're setting for all of your employees is so critical because they see the person in the key leadership role. It's a
1: $170 billion company. Do I have? I'm sorry. No, $44 billion. In Sangoban, yeah, it's $44 billion euros. Absolutely. To, to see a company of, of this
0: size and leadership who is saying, no, no, what you see is what you get. This is who I am. Mm-hmm. And this is how I'm going to operate. It has to be tremendously empowering to them.
1: Well, you know what? I hope so. And what I would say, I think it is. I hear a lot of comments from people thanking me for just being myself and speaking up. So, and frankly, I find it empowering for myself. I do. It takes a lot less energy to mm-hmm. be the gene who I am than trying to pretend to be only a small part of myself.
0: And I think that's a wonderful way to phrase it, which is being just a small part of yourself. And, and for all of our viewers and listeners who are out there who are still being that small part, mm-hmm. I hope that they will heed your words and your wisdom and just say, you know what, this doesn't make sense anymore. Mm-hmm. Be who you are and bring all of that. And if you're in a company that doesn't support that, then maybe you're not in the right place because you need to bring all of yourself.
1: Yeah, you do. And you know, the other thing I would say, Lydia, though, if let's say you're not in a company that people aren't, that you don't feel like yourself. The first thing I would say is have the courage to step into it and to speak up first, because it's actually much easier to run away. But what I think that for myself, you know, the more and more I face of who I am and I face my challenges and I stay, the more I grow. So yes, absolutely. If the situation is just intolerable, I would say, yes, find something else. But I also think for growth, be where you are, speak up, and begin to have people understand your perspective because maybe they don't know it. And maybe that can also help the people around you to grow. I think that's a really key point, Jane, because as most especially I think
0: as we've seen recently in maybe the past 18 months with so much churn in employees mm-hmm. and what was termed the, the great resignation, so yep. to speak, those words are so critically important. I think we've forgotten the importance and the skill of speaking up positively mm-hmm. and not changing your opinion every time there's pushback, but rather here's who I am, here's what I believe, Mm -hmm. and now how do we go from here? Mm -hmm. So tell me how that's influenced your approach to diversity and inclusion, because I know that's one of the other things that we were talking about.
1: (laughs) It is. I like to lead into it saying it's inclusivity and then diversity, because I personally think that it's difficult to have a diverse environment without me, myself, being the most inclusive person I can be. And I'm going to speak for myself, but I, you know, I consider myself a very inclusive person. However, the more I go through training on inclusivity, training like unconscious biases, Mm -hmm. training on just, you know, what does inclusivity mean? And looking at all types of individuals and their perspective in the training that I've done, what I realize is I have a lot to learn. And I think that I would say that to every listener, embrace really understanding the people around you and asking questions. And even if there may be something in your brain saying, oh, I'm judging this person for whatever reason, try as much as you can to stop it and be curious. Because inclusivity, that's the start of it. Then we can be diverse. Because if we lead with diversity without being inclusive, we can churn through a lot of different people. And I don't think that's good for anyone.
0: That makes a lot of sense to me, Jean, in terms of... of- It almost becomes characterizations rather than truly being inclusive. So I love that you're sharing that message with us because talking about those unconscious biases we Mm -hmm. have. And and I think until people have an opportunity to go through those kinds of classes, we don't realize kind of that low level speak that goes through our heads constantly. Mm -hmm. We don't even know we're judging someone and either tuning them out or not paying full attention Mm -hmm. or not engaging. So I no, love that yeah. approach.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah, I know it's really true. There's so much that I think we have to observe and learn about ourselves and learn about others to really embrace people that are maybe different than us. I think once we learn to listen more, and I to, again, I'm speaking for myself, the more I learn and I listen more, I discover my own biases and I go, there, I found another one. <laughs> and I think the more I discover, the more they maybe not melt away, but they're smaller and smaller. And it helps me to be more inclusive.
0: And your approach and your willingness to share comes across so easily. I have to believe that 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 also gives your employees courage to say, maybe I better look at what I'm doing because Jean's doing it and she talks about it. And so if Jean's talking about it as the president and CEO, well, certainly I can do that. So not only have you created that culture at a corporate level, but then on a personal level, Each person now feels that they have the perhaps the courage or that little extra push they needed to say, let me examine what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And that has to result in a better business climate for everyone, because if everyone is comfortable and working well together, that has to translate into better processes, better company functioning, better growth, and should
1: i just say yes
0: <laughs> you could say anything you would like to share with, with us
1: around that i was leaving well, it very open ended for yeah i for mean you. so as a question what i would say is going into business and really embracing people for who they are so embracing who they are i think the most important thing to me like if i talk about business growth or business environment it's knowing the business and knowing our business themselves and what we're great at as a business bringing in people that are diverse and at the same time, again, meeting people where they are. And my personal experience that I have found is that with that, every time that I go into a business, just doing those two things, knowing, really, really asking questions about knowing the business and the core and honing in on that and really taking care of people and understanding the diversity and and including people, I personally find the businesses grow. The businesses grow and because it's really all to the people, it's about engaging our workforce and enabling people to do what they need to do. And once you set a good direction a good vision Mm -hmm. and get out of the way, Mm -hmm. I think people can do amazing things. And again, that's my own experience in business. You know, as a business leader, of course, I'm looking at the numbers. I, you know, of course, I want to make sure that we hit, especially the commitments we make to our company, but I don't really lead with that. I really lead, making sure that we have the best culture for people to succeed.
0: And tell me a bit then, Gina, about how vulnerability played into that. Because again, when we were were speaking a bit off camera, Mm -hmm. you had mentioned how that was kind of a core piece to the transition in your own career. Mm -hmm. So if you would share
1: some thoughts around that with our viewers. Yeah. You know, so... To me, being vulnerable, and, you know, it's not like one day you wake up and say, oh, I'm going to be vulnerable, (laughs) Lydia. (laughs) Not to (laughs) be. No, it's not. No, but I really think my first step was saying, you know what, I'm going to be who I am. And that was, again, that was, it is a scary step to say, you know what, I'm going to bring my whole self in. And I think that step brings a certain amount of vulnerability, you know, to say, okay, I'm going to be the fun gene, maybe the not so serious gene, and I'm going to bring this into work and see what happens. And that's a step. And it can be a scary step. And if I think about like how my brain went through that, it was like, okay, I'm going to do this and maybe I might fall and maybe it might go the way I think, but I'm just going to pick myself right back up and I'm going to try again and again and again. And so those were like the baby steps, I think, to vulnerability, just being myself and bringing myself. And I think now, and again, this also breeds into psychological safety because the more I became myself the more I could kind of like almost pump myself up and say, yeah, you're okay, this is okay, you're doing fine. (laughs) And then I feel like the more I could do that, the more I could create this environment for others to kind of be themselves. And so that made it a little bit more easier. And then as people around me are themselves and I'm myself, it's a lot easier to be vulnerable because I can get to even those deeper emotional level, deeper connections, because Mm -hmm. I know that other people have my back as well. Because there's this element of, you know, I have your back, and you have my back. I think that's critical to being vulnerable. And you could say that's trust. Mm-hmm. But it's that initial just being there for one another. And it's, again, it's not overnight. I wish we could say, okay, today I'm going to be vulnerable. I think you should all <laughs> listen to me. <laughs> Everybody join in. <laughs> exactly. It didn't quite work that way. But also, we talked about this before. If we think of vulnerability, psychological safety, they really go hand in hand. We have mm-hmm. to have an environment where people feel safe, psychologically safe. It's easier to be vulnerable. And to me, when those two things come together, the whole, you know, inclusivity, innovation, creativity, engagement, they're kind of like outcomes, this very basic Mm. fundamental. And that I think is how the results happen. Because in that environment, we're listening to customers more, we're listening to one another. We make a mistake and say, you know, this didn't quite work out as well as I thought. And our colleague says, you know what, that's okay. That's okay. Try it again. So, you know, it all kind of comes together, but I think each of us can approach it step by step try it. Maybe it doesn't work out, get back up, try it again. And I think that that approach,
0: Gene, is so important to remember relative to, hey, guess what? This might not work the first mm-hmm. time you try it or the 30th time you try mm-hmm. it, because there's going to be ups and downs and some things will translate easily and some just don't. Or it some does. things that I know I've thought, oh, this will resonate so easily with a client and it falls so flat. And I say, <laughs> I'm so, Sorry, I thought that analogy would work with you. Let's move on. And you try to find graceful ways, right? To pick yourself back up and say, all right, let's do this again. But what I found so interesting as you were kind of explaining the whole dynamic is I can imagine in that culture where when things don't work, now colleagues are not kind of waiting in the wings to say, oh, well, this failed. There isn't that intensity or that focus on the negative, but rather a, okay, it didn't work. Let's try again, because they know when you said you've got their back, Mm -hmm. you'll give them that same support, which is, all right, so it didn't work. You know, how can we help from this division or that division? Or how do we help boost up your calling when it doesn't work for them? And to your point, I think that just changes how people view things. Instead of needing to be defensive, it's a contributing instead of just a defending, oh, gee, you know, how do I deflect this since it didn't work out well?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, a thought's coming around my head, though. I mean, it does sound so simple, but I would say as a leader, for me, what I find is I have to make sure that I'm constantly working to be present as well, mm. you know, because in an off day, let's say my patience is less, you know, sure. sometimes it's harder to remember. So I think another just a message I would have on this whole thing is, you know, as a leader, what would I suggest to other leaders you know, really take time for yourself, whether it's you're an early morning or a night person, find your best time and take time to reflect, take time to, for me, i I like to meditate and, you know, I like to exercise. I like to be in nature, but that's me. I, I think for any leader, find your sweet spot, find the time that you go, ah, oh, I feel great. And do that every day, because I really think, and for me, you know, the higher I got up in an organization, the, the more pressures there are. Mm-hmm. And so I have to be ever mindful of just taking care of myself mm-hmm. to make sure that I'm always fully present because that's another way to make sure that the people around me, again, feel safe and they can be present. So it's not as easy as it seems, again. <laughs> Definitely
0: not. <laughs> and I think especially for our audience here, Jane, where we're focused on women in the manufacturing environment, I think so often as women, we tend to put ourselves at the end of that, take care of yourself mm-hmm. or focus on yourself or find that place where I loved your, your explanation of you just, oh, this, you just relax, right? It's you. And I think those words are so important to reiterate about what are we doing for ourselves? Because we're no good to anyone else. And we somehow think that if we starve ourselves of that, We fulfill others' needs, but I think not only is the opposite true, but it is dynamically true. So it keeps changing and getting worse, if you will, Mm -hmm. each time that we do that. So I hope our listeners will pay very good attention to your advice and take care of themselves because then that feeds them as well as their organizations. Absolutely. I'll just say agree. So was that (laughs) one of your aha moments, Jean, when you came
1: to that? You know what, Lydia? It actually was because when you were describing the the woman that's doing and doing and doing and doing, you know, I actually saw that at a time in my career. You know, I was traveling a lot. We have five children. My husband and I have five children together. And you know, I'd, I'd go on a long business trip, and I'd make meals for the week, and I'd get on planes, and then I'd take care of business people, and, and it was move, move, move. And, and actually, I found that I didn't have enough to give. And that was actually, this is my aha moment to go, wait, something's got to change. Something's got to change here. And it, again, took some time to say, what do I need to do for myself? And all the things I described that I do, that's what I started to do one after the other. And then for me, I found the dramatic change in myself. I found the dramatic change in people around me and business and life became so much easier. So unfortunately, most of the things I talk about have happened through experience, fortunately or unfortunately. <laughs> and one of the things that I want to do for you know other women in manufacturing, people in manufacturing is just share some of the learnings that I've had throughout my career so that maybe I can accelerate some of the learnings for other people.
0: But that's wonderful. To me, the best lessons are the ones that someone has lived. I've never been very good about taking advice that came out of a book and, oh, follow the next 10 steps. Not really. But when someone who I admire who says, hey, I did this. It didn't Mm -hmm. work so well. I burnt out. I ran out and I was on empty. Here's what you need to do instead. That has a lot of credibility and a lot of realism, again, because you're being vulnerable by sharing that and saying, this didn't work because I think that was the expectation of women 15 or 20 years ago, right? Which is Mm -hmm. you just kept going. You did it all. You were superwoman.
1: And you know, it absolutely was. And I remember that term. Oh, yeah, you're superwoman. And I think that is something we read in books. (laughs) And I think everyone around us was like, yeah, you can have children and you can work and you can you know, you can do it all. And yeah, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. And I just think it's important for each of us just to know who we are and know our passions and spend that quality time around those things that are most important, most important, and let everything else go. Because in the end, I think for me personally, the things that I value the most, uh, the things I find most important, that's what I'm going to remember, you know, my entire life, you know, so what
0: wonderful words of wisdom to really allow ourselves that gift of focusing on what matters most to us. Mm-hmm. Because Absolutely. the rest, either we find ways to support it or purchase it, or we find resolution for those other pieces. But the things that matter the most ought to be where we're, we're investing our best part of ourselves. Absolutely. And, and not shorting ourselves you know, trying to kind of that old steal from Peter to pay Paul sort of thing, right? Or steal from Jean to pay Lydia or Lydia to pay Jean,
1: right? Exactly.
0: Are there other aha moments, Jean, that that come to mind? I know we've touched on several here as we've had this conversation, but anything else you can think of that was a real, oh, wow, this one sticks with me kind of
1: thing? Yeah, you know, again, I'm going to say the aha and one other aha, and it gets back to what made me realize do what's most important to you. One thing that I do in business a lot, which I applied to my personal life, is I mentioned it before in a business. If I go in, the first thing I want to know is what's our core? What are we great at? And all we have to do is know what we're great at and leverage that and build on that. And it makes business so simple. And so I took that same principle into my life. And I really, and again, I encourage for others doing deep reflection on what am I good at? What do other people see in me? who are people that i admire because i think for me that's people i'm yet to become uh, what are my passions and the more i worked on that and the more that i just said ah this gives me energy this gives me like flow in my life and the more i did more of that just like i would do in business it's it's my core the easier life became and you know when i think of business business is part of my life. It's not like, oh, business is separate and life is separate. I think myself bringing that into whatever I do helps. And my biggest thing is, is, and I know maybe it sounds kind of corny, but I really just want to make things better when I leave them than -hmm. when I came into them. And that could be as simple as like a garden in my backyard (laughs) affecting people in a better way affecting business in a better way. And so that kind of rings true with everything and rolled up into that. It's my strengths and my passions, et cetera. But if I had to say my one mantra, that's it. Leave the things that you, you know, in a better way than when you came into it. So that was an aha for me.
0: Those are all wonderful ahas, Jean, and very applicable and very pragmatic. Now, as we kind of get to the end of our interview here, will you speak a minute about how risk, has played into kind of all of these things we've talked about. Because I know, again, when we were we we're speaking off camera, you just described risk as, as kind of a critical element to, I'll paraphrase, but it sounded to me like it kind of makes everything else come together. And so will you speak to that a bit?
1: Yeah. And so, you know, Lydia, I'm going to talk to it. And I now it's when I'm thinking of risk, I don't quite remember everything in the conversation, but I'm going to tell you what I think about it. I think risk is the ability to take the leap. You know, a risk is that it's, you know, the, I'm going to maybe not jump off a cliff first. Maybe I'll jump off a big rock Mm -hmm. risk can be scary. But again, when I think of what do I need to have risk (laughs) to take the risk one, I have to know myself. Well, I have Mm -hmm. to know people have my back. That's psychological safety. It kind of is the same subjects that we've talked about. I have to know that, you know what people Are including me. And again, if they're not, I have to have enough confidence in myself to say, I'm going to do it anyway. Because what's the worst Mm -hmm. thing that can happen? I'm going to fall. And I know that I say, all I have to do is get back up. And you know what? I'm going to learn from it. But believe me, risk is scary. I mean, risk is definitely scary. And some people, of course, have a higher level of risk than others. But I really think that, again, having psychological safety, having inclusivity, creating that mindset that we want everyone to succeed, I think it makes it easier for people to risk. The idea of
0: risk relative to what you were talking about, when you have all of those other pieces of the puzzle, and I, that's kind of why I paraphrased the idea mm-hmm. of kind of, it's the glue that sticks it all together. Yes. But I thought that the thing that you said that's really impactful also is this idea of I, I have the ability to pick myself up mm-hmm. after I fall. Yes. Because we're all going to fall. And then what do we do with it once we've fallen? Do we just say, okay, that's it, I'm out. Or do we say, you know what, Now nah, let me try again. The next yeah. one's going to work. And the environment you create to support employees who are doing that.
1: Absolutely. And yeah, and, and again, I, I get to the environment is letting people know I have your back and letting people fail and saying, what did you learn from it? That's okay. What are you going to do next time? And that the phrase is, well, what did you learn? And what are you going to do next time? I think that really helps. And and again, myself using with my own team and using an organization, I hear from people. Thank you. I also hear from people. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being vulnerable because you allowed me to take risks because you showed vulnerability. And so, again, that's what they all kind of weave together. If that's you're right. I mean, it's not one standing by itself. It's the entire kind of, you know, collection of this environment, inclusivity, your safe, psychological safety, taking risks, being okay with it. All of it has to be together. And what I would say to the listeners is just try.
0: <laughs> I think that is a marvelous note to end our interview on, Jane. Just Try. So with those words of wisdom, Jean, our sincere thanks for being my guest today on Women and Manufacturing. Viewers, you know that we have other podcasts as well. We have Manufacturing Talk Radio, as you know, the WAM podcast, Hazard Girls that highlights those women working in dangerous roles or unusual roles in industry, as well as Manufacturing Matters. So we hope you will tune in to us again next time. And once again, Jean, thank you so much for your time and sharing all of your wisdom with us. Ladies, I hope you all walk away with some takeaway and most especially Jean's parting comments. Just try it. Thank you. Thank you for joining the WAM podcast where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.